am inspired. And now we are going to move with that transition, y'all. That, that, that if you sat there and didn't feel something, mm. we are moving into our next. Uh, presentation, um, uh, I am amazing, dispelling false narratives. Before we do that, I want to ask you to take your index cards. Do they already have those? Okay. If you need some, we'll get them to you. Those index cards uh, going forward are going to be used for you to write any questions that you may have for the presenters. So we will take questions and then those questions will be selected for the Q&A. Secondly, you see this beautiful box. This is a prayer box. It is the I am believing God for dot, dot, dot. So you fill that in. Whatever you're believing God for, write it down and then put it into the prayer box um, at the altar during the break. Are we good? Our next presentation, we're going to ask Dr. D.C. Marshall to come back up um, and bless us in her own way. Um, while she comes up, someone lost a beautiful earring. Um, I might have to keep it. and <laughs> So I have it if you need it. Thank you. All right. Praise him. In life, there will most certainly be ups and downs. And I think the sign of a leader is obviously expecting that it will happen. I think that would be the vibe in the road. God, we believe that this is not just um, for radio, but that we've been called to touch people and to change lives, and so use us. everybody. I am so very um, delighted to be here. I'm going to offer up a word of prayer, although I'm sure you all prayed before we came into the sanctuary. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you now, God, to give honor and to give praise to your name. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for life and we thank you for breath, oh God. We declare now that it is in you we find our living, our breathing, and our being. God, we have come to gather today, oh God, because there was an invitation. Our expectation, oh Lord, is in you, however, oh God, for every woman who has come into this place on 
this day, O God. I'm asking you to meet her here, O Lord. God, I'm asking you to move me out of your way, move me out of my way so that you can have your way. I exit stage left and I invite you, O God, stage right to come and do whatever it is that you need to do today, O God. Guard my lips and I believe your word, uh, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. God, use me. Your word says that we are ambassadors for you, oh God. So allow me to be that. It is in Jesus' name. I trust, oh God, that every woman here will leave with one thing, oh God, one thing that you need them to have, one thing that they need to do to move closer to where you would have them to be. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, listen, um, I am going to be, uh, try my best to be obedient to my assignment here today, but um, I want to make sure you all know I am so very delighted to be here. I set my intention this morning. Um, in fact, I set an intention for my life many, many years ago to live my best life and to help other people do, do the same. Uh, my intention for life is that when I stand before God at the end of my life without a single bit of talent left, my prayer is that I could say, God, I used all that you gave me, that I used everything. And so I'm so very passionate and sold out for the work of the Lord and and, um, and grateful that God allowed me to be the vessel to birth this ministry called Girlfriends Pray. Um, by show of hands, how many of you have heard of Girlfriends Pray? Okay, that's good. So, so passionate about uh, prayer and knowing that it is a strategy. Um, I wrote this little book. Uh, it's uh, Pray, Live, Win, 52 Practical Prayers for Women. And I'm going to give you this so if you don't get anything else, you'll get this. That the strategy for winning in life, the strategy for stepping into the abundant life that God has for you is prayer. And so uh, this book that I have that I, I wrote... Um, there's 52 prayers, a prayer for better, a prayer when you're ready to give up. Raise your hand when I come down your row. A prayer for better, a prayer when you're ready to give up, a prayer when you need to forgive, a prayer when you're struggling to take responsibility, a prayer for order in your life, a prayer for resolution of money issues, a prayer for your boo or your boaz, a prayer to keep your panties on. Yep, I said that. A prayer for more time. I see nobody raised their hand. In fact, if you're married, there's a, there's a prayer in here, a prayer when your marriage is, uh, going th is on the rocks, and so that wouldn't be for you to, to keep them on. That would be, if you're married, you should be going the other direction. I did say that. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I sure did. Yes, I did. A prayer for a mentor, a prayer for good friends, um, a prayer on how to pray. How many of y'all are in prayer? How many of y'all are in, new in your prayer life? and just need more uh, prayer for the Lord? How many of y'all new in your prayer life? Um, there's a prayer for dating after divorce, a prayer for winning, a prayer now that you're saved, a prayer uh, declaration for women. I want to gift this book to the young woman, uh, Blonde Hair. I was going to gift it. Ingrid, Ingrid, I want to gift this book to you. Yep. So Ingrid says she don't like to be seen. So she, Ingrid, you got to come up and get it, though. You're going to have to come. 
because this is a ministry in and of itself. When God has something for you, right, Minister Sorsha? He not, you got, he, look, God is going to say now, I got it for you. Now, you can't earn it. You can't work for it, but you do need to come get it. Minister Sorsha, am I? Uh, uh, so I just want to gift this to you, gorgeous. God bless you. It's okay. All right. We have those books. We're actually selling the books at the end, but I wanted to gift that to you. Um, and I wrote that book, and everywhere I go, on occasion, there'll be a man that'll say, well, did you, is there, is there one for men? Or like, did you, you know, did you write one? Or is there, and, and they press so on my heart. So I wrote this book uh, last year in the airport. I was in Houston Airport, had a fight with a brother in the airport. We kissed and made up. I wrote a book to talk about it. It's called Dear Black Man, We Love You, Five Things You Need to Know and Do to Win. No, really, I really did. Because God set me up in the airport. Um, yes, it was a shame. So five things that black men need to hear and that women need to say. And it's really um, a super powerful tool. And what I shared about the book is initially I thought I was writing it for men, but then I discovered that I was writing it not just for men, but for the women who love um, men. So. We also have this. I say use it as a peace offering. Use it as a love offering. Gift it to the men in your life. Not an intimate love relationship or just that, but for your son, your father, your uncle, your nephew, your honey, your hubby, uh, your colleague even. Um, and then you can use it as a tool for what is it that you need to say to sew back into their emotional bank account. And so um, every time I shared this book, there's always a woman in the room who has a brother, a brother. How many of you have a brother? Anybody here ever lost a brother? Lost your biological brother? Right here on the front row, I want to gift this to you, right here. Yes, you lost your biological brother? Yes, I want to gift this to you. I lost a, my only brother, my biological brother. His name was Sly. I'm going to gift that to you to gift to someone. God bless you. And we also have um, that book as well. But in any event, I want to move into the assignment today. I think there is a slide deck. I hope it is. I don't have not one note, nothing. So this is, uh, listen, the Holy Spirit going to need to show up in this moment. And so I've been asked to, to share dispelling false narratives. And so this will be a bit non-traditional in that uh, up here on the pulpit, however, this is a working session. So this won't be, you know, raise your hand and shout an amen all over the church. It really is more so the posture of if you have a notebook, you probably want to take notes and ask God to allow you to receive the one thing that you need to know and the one thing that you may need to do differently to become the woman that God has called you to be, to evolve into the woman that God has called you to be so you can do what it is that God has called you to do. Is that fair? Um, there's also a handout um, if you're that kind of person. If you go to www.giftsfromd, there's a handout. And you can follow along and take notes. Is that fair? 
All right. So, um, so we're talking about dispelling false narratives. How many of you have ever been in a situation where someone has placed something on you that was not true? They've said something about you or to you, um, and it was just not accurate. Okay, so pretty much everybody in the room. So then, um, you know, there was a time when I remember being in a conversation with a woman and she said something. Now, she was a dear, sweet woman, um, a seasoned woman of a certain age. And I remember her saying some things to me about what she thought I was dealing with. Did, ha, anybody ever had that situation? What, the, what she thought, right? Okay, I like it right here. You under 30, you a millennial. Okay, good. Okay, good. Okay, here we go. So, you know, because if they say it's okay, it's good. So the woman, she, uh, you know, she was sharing some things uh, to me about me, about where she thought I was. And I was feeling kind of awkward. And this is me as a mature woman of a certain age. This was in the last maybe two, three years. And I was feeling kind of awkward because I'm very respectful. I love and adored her from afar. But what she was saying was not an accurate read. In fact, it was a false read of what she was picking up. And so, um, you know, and I really, I really had to think about my response because my typical response when I am in a situation like that um, I'm, I'm, I'm really bold and unapologetic in that, no, that's, that's not my story. And I am good with return to sender. You all familiar with return to sender? That is when somebody sends you something and that's, that's not for me. So I'm good at return to sender. Everybody say return to sender. Y'all feel where I'm going already with this dispelling false narratives? Because it was, it was she said something that wasn't quite accurate. And, and what I realized is I needed to not accept the narrative. And so part of this conversation that we're having is about paying attention to what it is that others place on us that is false. Say false. And then what it is that we place on ourselves that is false, say false. And so in that moment, um, you know, I really had to manage rejecting and returning to sender what it is that she was picking up because it was not my story. And what I really want to share uh, with you today is how to return to sender, how to reject the narrative that does not line up with who it is that God called you to be. Does that make sense? And so there are some instances where you will have to return to sender. So when somebody says something to you or about you and places it on you, no, you know, just gently and kindly as a daughter of the king, that's not my story. Actually, that's not accurate. Um, and for the purpose of our engagement today, you can say false, right? But, but when you're out in the world, maybe you might be a little more gentler. And, and so that's no, that's actually not, not the case. And so here's, here's how I'd like to help you, my sister. And so um, that is what we're going to do here. So how is it that you dispel the false narrative. How? Say how. Um, I would say this. So if you've ever had someone say something about you to somebody else that was not accurate, 
the receiver of the word should know you so well and have an accurate read so well that whatever was said about you, they don't believe it. So the quote says, I know you can't read it, but how you dispel the narrative is that you show up in such a way that if somebody was ever to say something contradictory to what, to who you really are, that no one would ever believe it because they really know. Does that make sense? Dispelling. So how? We're talking about how. Say how. And so I'm going to give you really quickly three C's on how do you dispel false narratives about you. Whatever it is that the people who knew you when, when you, you know, grew up and when you were growing up and they tried to attach you um, to the, the demographic or they tried to attach you to stereotypes, I'm going to give you the three C's of dispelling false narratives. Say three C's. Um, and it is, you have to confirm, clarify, and control the narrative. You have to confirm, clarify, and control the narrative. And so um, confirming the narrative, you always have to think about uh, whatever the narrative is, does it line up with the story? You know what story I'm talking about? Does it line up with the Word of God? Does it line up? Because here's the thing. If you say that you are a follower of God, if you say that you believe in God, then you ought to line up with you believe in God. So whatever the word says about, God, about you, whatever God says about you, then that is the truth. And anything else is true or false. False. Right? So that's the first thing. You have to confirm. Because the word of the Lord says in Psalms 139, for my eyes saw your unformed body when you were made in a secret place. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so when somebody tries to say that you are something else, it doesn't line up. So you have to confirm the, nar uh, the narrative, confirm the story. Does the story line up with the word? Because God is first place and final authority. So whatever it is that he says about you is true and anything else is what? false, dispelling the false narrative. Does that make sense? So Psalm 139 is your support. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says you are God's workmanship. Say I am. I am God's workmanship. Say I am. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work that God prepared in advance for me. Do you see? You have to confirm. So how would you dispel false narratives in terms of what people say about you and what you say about you? you three C's. You have to confirm the narrative. What does the word say about me? You want to line up with whatever it is that God says about you. It doesn't matter what other people say. So confirming the narrative. You could just ride out on, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You could ride out on, I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work. In fact, there's another, you know, um, in Psalms 18, the word of the Lord says, uh, your feet, my feet, my feet were made to walk upon high places. My feet were made like the feet of red deer. Not my feet were made to walk in high heels, but my feet were made to walk upon high places. Um, sidebar, uh, uh, Heinz feet um, is, wait, y'all with me? Hind's feet, red deer. Your, your feet are made like the feet of red deer, meaning hind feet, a red deer. Your feet were made in such a way 
that you are not even built to fall. No, no, honestly, red deer, the word says your feet were made like the feet of red deer. It says hind feet in most translation. Hind is a female deer, okay? It's red deer. And the way that hind feet were made is it could be that you might feel as if you were about to stumble. You ever have an almost fall? You have an almost fall in your life? You, you ever tripped up the stairs like you almost fell? You ever have a stumble in your life? You were on your way. In fact, somebody said, I'm on my way, and I'm believing God, and I'm moving, and I'm going places, and you have an almost, like you're on your way, and you feel weak even in the journey. The word says your feet are like hind feet. And what that means is red deer, you may stumble in route on your way, but you're not even built. Your, your makeup and your DNA, in fact, the way that your life and your feet and your infrastructure was set up, you wouldn't even be able to fall if you tried. Does that make sense? So I'm just talking about dispelling the narrative. Does the story line up? Because last time I checked, God, I'm a bad mother. I'm sorry. Did I say that? I'm, that did the word say it? I'm just trying. Translating. I'm just translating. I'm translating. So, so dispelling the narrative is whatever it is that you think and believe about yourself and whatever it is that other people say about you, you want to confirm the narrative. Does that make sense? And then the second is to clarify. The second C is to clarify the narrative. Who do you want to be? So then you add color to the story. So the first point of reference is who does God say that you are? And then the second is, and then who do you want to be? You know, I'm always amazed at the word of God that speaks to us writing things down. God is always saying, write, write things down. Habakkuk 2.2, 2, write the vision and make it plain. In fact, in Joshua, when um, Joshua was old in age, he goes back to the tribes who have yet to claim the territory that God said that they could have. So Joshua says something like this, hey, listen, you know that there was land promised to our ancestors and you have yet to partake in the land. And then Joshua says, go out and uh, survey the land. And he says, and write it down, write down a description. So what I'm suggesting about dispelling the narrative in terms of what other people think about you and say about you is that you too should go out and write it down. Write down who do you want to be. Make a definitive decision who you want to be. Um, I made a definitive decision many years ago that I don't want to be surface level Christian. I don't want to come into church early, leave eight, late, uh, leave, leave, come late, leave early, leave before the benediction, check off a box. I don't want to be a surface level Christian. Does that make sense? So you get to decide, clarify who do you want to be? How much do you want to be worth? Um, sidebar, there's a statistic um, that single white women age 39 to 40, uh, I'm sorry, 36 to 49 have an average net worth of, I believe, $46,000. Single black females age 36 to 49 have a net worth of, what do you think? $5. Yes, yes. And so when I saw that, rather than dispute it, because it may, it's probably true, right? 
But rather than dispute it, what, what I decided is that I wanted to be worth what I wanted to be worth. You have an opportunity to decide what you want to be worth, who you want to be, how you want to show up. Does that make sense? So you get to, get to decide. So dispelling the narrative about who you are and who people think that you are, it starts with confirming, and then you clarify, and then uh, control the narrative. Those are three Cs. Does this make sense? Is anybody looking at the handout? Raise your hand if you have the handout. Okay. All right, you'll keep me honest. Okay, so it's are you showing up in alignment with the word? Part of the problem in dispelling the narrative is you have to be able to show them better than you can tell them. Does that make sense? I'm going to say that again. If we're talking about dispelling the narrative, whatever the negative thing, the bad thing, the hurtful thing that people say about you, you have to confirm what does the word say about me, because that's the truth. Then clarify, decide who you want to be. Decide uh, who you want to be, how you want to show up, what you want to do, how you want other people to uh, perceive and receive you. Does that make sense? And then how you control the narrative is you have to line up and be able to walk that thing out. You can't just talk about it. You can't just become and say that you are a daughter of the king, but you need to be able to walk like a daughter of the king. Does that make sense? All right, so now I'm going to give you seven steps to, to how do you show up. That's controlling the narrative. Because now here is where the work comes in. Is this making sense? Controlling the narrative? All right. So seven things. If you're on the worksheet, seven things. So the first is um, learn to accept yourself. Right? So... Wherever you are right now, so you may be in this room, in the sanctuary, I should say, and maybe not happy about where you are. Maybe you thought you'd be further along in life, right? You're not happy with maybe your job, your work situation, your relationship, maybe your bank account. Um, maybe it is you're not happy with even just your, your physical makeup. Maybe it is, look, because the hair business is... Uh, okay, let me back out of that. But may maybe, you know, you're not happy with your looks, and so you got a little upgrade here or there. Maybe you got a tuck. Maybe you got a Brazilian number seven, or I, I don't know. But, but maybe it is that you're not comfortable with what God gave you. And dispelling the narrative, the false narrative, and controlling the narrative you first have to love yourself because we show other people how to treat us. And so not accepting yourself right now is a disregard to God. It's an insult to God. So whether it is your legs, your hips, your hair, your nose, your, your walk, your, whatever it is about you, whatever the judgment is that you have about yourself, the first step is you shift the judgment into acceptance. Does this make sense? Controlling the narrative. You first have to turn in. Accepting yourself. So um, if you've ever been harsh with yourself about you and what you look like, You've been harsh about maybe what things you did or didn't do. 
today, the first step is to accept. Apologize to God. God, I'm, I apologize to you that I have not been kind to myself and I accept myself. In fact, God, I'm sorry that I insulted you by judging me. God, I'm sorry. I apologize that I criticized me. Does that make sense? Dispelling false narrative. We're talking about controlling the narrative. You first accept all of who you are, flaws and all. We got it? So taking personal responsibility for where you are. And then uh, the, the last is you have to remember to stop comparing yourself. So here's the insult in comparing yourself to other people. Typically when we compare, we are comparing our worst to their best. Let me say that again. Stop comparing because when we compare, we compare our worst or where we are now with somebody else's best. Because typically the way our mind is set up, we naturally look at somebody else and, kind of, and where they are and what they have going on and it looks good. And then we are looking at where we are. And so that comparison is an insult to God. Why? Because God created you. And so stop comparing. Does that make sense? Because God gave us all a unique ability, a gift, an assignment, and unlimited possibility. And all you are seeing of them is where they are now. You didn't see them in their go-through. Am I helping anybody here? So uh, learning to accept yourself is how you control the narrative. And then number two is loving yourself first. We're talking about controlling the narrative and what other people think about you, what other people say about you, and how you think about yourself, how you see yourself. It starts with accepting yourself and then to loving yourself. Love on yourself. When you love God and then love yourself, it's easier to love other people. If you find it hard to love right now, then I would say there, there probably is an opportunity for you to go back and love on God more, practice loving God based on his parameters, loving yourself, and then you'll be able to love the unlovable. But you can't work uh, reverse engineer love, loving other people first and then yourself second. Uh, um, oh, no, let me, let me clarify, right? Because the Lord says love uh, our neighbors as ourselves. But when you love God first, it makes it easier. Does that make sense? To love on people. I really love people. I really do. I love people, uh, whether I know you or not. Listen, I got in late last night. And when I tell you, I gave away all the, the men's books to every man I saw because they were so kind. Because I just love people. And it's very easy for me to connect with people. And, and they just bless my life. Listen, everywhere I went yesterday in the air, Airport. Why was there a brother at every stop? There was a brother. I missed, uh, you know, the, the door closed early on the plane, so it was their faux pas, so I missed the flight. The plane was there, but it was a brother. He said, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. And then the next stop I got, there were some more brothers at the gate. I said, well, Lord Jesus, I gave three more books. And then I got on the plane, and I got off, and then I went to sit down at the gate. And then as soon as I went to sit down, I saw across the way, there was two brothers waving me over, and I indulged them. Normally, I wouldn't. I would pretend like I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I don't have, no, I don't have time for no foolishness. Not today. Not today. No, no. And I looked really cute yesterday, so I was like, no. No, because I already know where this is going because I look very cute. 
in this dress, and I have on a dress, and I got on high heels in the airport. That was new. And so, I love people. The least of these, the most, I don't judge. So how do you control the narrative about you and you being a daughter of the king, loving yourself? So here it is. You love yourself right now where you are. So before you can get to the harder work, before you can get to serving other people, before you can step in fully into the assignment, how is it that you will be able to lead other people if you can't love them and if you don't know how to love based on the word of the Lord says, um, use the, I say use the guidelines, which is the word of the Lord right? Love is what? Patient. Be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself, right? So that's the definition. So you can measure how it is that you're showing up for you. And I say this, be gentle to yourself. Um, and here's what happens um, when I work with a lot of women and when they're harsh on themselves or they judge, and I do this little exercise. I want you to, I want to play back what you just said about yourself. Would you say that to a six-year-old? I want you to think about the meanest thing you've ever thought about yourself, said about yourself. And then I ask, would you say that to a six-year-old? And it's, it's a mirror. It's like, I would never say that to a six-year-old. So what I want you to think about is the little six-year-old you. And what you just said is, you know, I don't, I'm not qualified or you don't have this, you don't have that. What you have just said to yourself is really the six-year-old in you. So loving yourself is being gentle with yourself and it's the little you. It's like the little Didi. Like I'm not allowed to judge myself because I would be judging the little Didi, the six-year-old. So I want you all to capture the little you, the six-year-old old you when you think about what you're saying about yourself and then what other people say. Does this making sense? We're talking about dispelling the narrative, the false narrative, and how you do that is to control the narrative. You see the first two are about how we handle ourselves. So you can't manage other people and their perception and the false narrative about you until you can do it for yourself, until you can take care of yourself. Does this make sense? Okay. How many people following on the handout? Did I miss anything? Okay. All right. So you have number two, right? Controlling the narrative. Number three is finding yourself. So in finding yourself, um, again, how does this tie into controlling the narrative? It's finding your authentic self is how you're going to control a false narrative. When you know who you are and who God called you to be, then you can better reject. You, you're, you're more in tune with yourself. You know yourself better so that if somebody says something that is counter to what you know you to be and how God sees you, then you're better able to reject. Does that make sense? Because there was a time when, you know, when I gave you that scenario about the woman who mentioned something. So if we rewind 20 years or 10 years ago when I was little Didi, then I wouldn't have been able to identify, right? That that's not true, but it's finding yourself, finding your authentic self. So how do you do that? How do you evolve into the woman God created you to be? You want to answer the question, who am I removed from everything external? Who am I removed from everything external? Job, house, car, spouse, 
right? Associations, affiliations. You have to be able to answer the question, who am I removed from everything external? Does that make sense? Self-discovery journey, by the way, is a journey. It's not an overnight. Okay, number four, walk like a daughter of the king. And here's what I like to say for number four. Walk like a daughter of the king. Walk Deo, D-A-I-O, decent and in order. So you move from um, average status quo mediocre woman to a woman of excellence. So remember when I said clarify who you want to be? Decide that you want to be a woman of excellence and not a woman who is average. Does that make sense? So that's how you walk, uh, walk in excellence. Walk like a daughter of the king. It is decent and in order. It's not perfect. It has nothing to do with shoes. But it's decent and in order in terms of your behavior, uh, being an, uh, becoming an ambassador for Christ. Christ. The word of the Lord says that we are ambassadors for Christ. That means that we are here to reintroduce God in the earth. We are here to, to reintroduce, to represent, represent, say represent. Does that make sense? And number five, being a doer of the word. So the word of the Lord in James 1.22, it says, we are not to be hearers of the word or listeners of the word only, but to be doers of the word. Um, so Deo, say Deo. Deo. Deo is doing all things decent and in order. In fact, I'm leading a Deo challenge uh, the end of this month. I think it's September 24th, a week from now. And it's a 10-day Deo challenge. Um, the word says that we are to do all things decent and in order. And so how you control the narrative in terms of how other people look at you is to show up decent and in order in every area of your life. How you go into the grocery store and speak to people, how uh, when you go to the gas station, how you show up and respond, uh, not just putting on when you come into church. We call that surface level Christian. But even to the point of the hotel room, when you go into to the hotel and you come out of the hotel, do you leave it like you don't have no home training and like you don't have good sense? I'm going to tell you a little secret. The reason why I believe I travel all over the globe um, and, and I stay in amazing properties and hotels and venues, it's because I take good care like God himself is going to do quality control on the room when I leave. I leave it like so that the housekeeper is like, my, she might be my grandmother. So that is what decent and in order looks like. Does this make sense? So being decent and in order. So when you, how you control the narrative is you show up like a daughter of the king. And so a lot of us miss that this work is about doing what it is that God called us to do. But first, uh, being responsible with how we show up as a daughter of the king. So I say, uh, number five, being a doer, it's moving beyond surface level Christian, exp expanding on the Bible is not just to be used for spiritual significance, but personal application. Why? Because the word of the Lord in 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all of the Bible is God-breathed and God-spoken, appropriate for course correction and teaching us what is right and what is wrong. Does that make sense? The Bible is an instruction manual. It's an instruction manual to teach us what is right, what is wrong, and how to live. It is your playbook. It, is, it tells you exactly what it is that you are to do. Does this make sense? 
So um, I always say, you know, how you control the narrative is show up decent and in order like a daughter of the king. So much so that you can show people better than you can tell them. You don't need to quote every Bible in the book, every book in the Bible. You don't need to necessarily be able to shout all over the church and speak in tongues. You don't necessarily need to have a position in the church. But what we really need to do both in and outside and after the benediction is uh, to, to be able to walk the walk. And then uh, number six, think like God thinks. So that's how you control the narrative. Elevate your thinking, think like God, and use the parameters. Here's the parameters. The word of the Lord in Philippians 4, 8 says, um, whatever things are true, whatever things are righteous, whatever things are admirable, whatever things are praiseworthy, think on such things. So you're either going to think like the Bible or use the parameters. Those are the only two uh, um, uh, guidelines in terms of what you're thinking. So when you're thinking you're not good enough and when you're thinking low of yourself, you go back to the Word of God and see what does God have to say about you and that's how you'll pull yourself up out of low self-esteem. You see, when the woman asked me, you see I had a word, right? You see I had an experience, right? Did you see? So that's just, that's exactly it. And so using those parameters, and then the last one is uh, words. Um, so reducing your word count. Do you all know that women on average speak uh, to, yes, women on average speak 20,000 words a day, and men, how many? 7,000. They say, uh, somewhere I think it says 7,000. So how do you dispel the narrative? How do you control the narrative? It is showing up like a daughter of the king. And this is the last one. Number seven is in your, in your speech. And you know what? Let me back up. I mentioned something about low self-esteem and dark and gloom. Um, I will say, yes, that happens, right? Doubt, low self-esteem, and the word can pull us out. However... If there is a spirit of depression on you, then I want you to know that you should be praying en route to a therapist. And it should be a licensed, trained therapist. Licensed, trained therapist. That's not the church minister, counselor. Because all have gifts and are qualified. So the minister knows the minister's role. Y'all see, I know my role. My role, I've not been called to preach in the pulpit. My assignment, the universe is my pulpit. I walk all up and through. Everywhere is my ministry. I was at the airport ministering all up and through last night, okay? And my assignment is to challenge women to action. My gift is exhortation. So it is not so so the reason God placed me in the space that he placed me is not to preach the word so you can say amen but for me to call place so you can run and do the work so that you can become a doer of the word does that make sense so that you can take notes now run the play in fact don't even take copious notes take one note and do one thing I'd rather you take one note and do one thing than take copious notes and do nothing I'm not impressed does this make sense so, so controlling the narrative, and I want to make sure you got that note about 
the spirit of depression, right? Because the traditional church doesn't believe in that. But I want you to know that there are resources for everything, right? There's a resource and there's a work that the minister is called to do, the pastor is called to do, the preacher is called to do, the uh, nonprofit leader is called to do, the licensed trained therapist is called to do, the consultant is called to do something different, the coach is called something to do something different. Does that make sense? And so I think we're complete in how you dispel false narratives is to control the narrative. And controlling the narrative, the last one is speaking. Speaking on purpose and using your words intentionally. Everything begins with and revolves around your thoughts and your words. And so speaking out into the atmosphere, which is this whole uh, presentation that was done right before I came up here. I am waking up in the morning being very intentional. I am a daughter of the king. My feet were made to walk upon high places. My name is associated with greatness. I am a daughter of the king. Um, the favor of God is on my life. Speaking on purpose, even when you're feeling um, like you are in darkness and feeling like you are not you don't have the energy to get up in the morning. Am I making sense? And so how you dispel false narratives is, you remember the three C's. You have to confirm with the Lord, clarify, and control the narrative. You have to confirm, clarify, and control the narrative. The first place you go is to confirm with God who you are. Clarify, meaning expand the story of who you want to be. I make a, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to make a definitive decision about who you want to be and be bold and unapologetic to say it and to speak it in the atmosphere that I will be, I want to be God is taking me. So that's clarifying, controlling the narrative. You can't control what other people think about you, but you control the way you show up. Life is 10% what happens, 90% how you respond. And then in the seven ways you do that, you first accept yourself, you love yourself, you find yourself, Walk like a daughter of the king. Speak like a daughter of the king. And be intentional with your words and with your language. I believe that is my time. Um, I do believe that is my time. She's giving me the wrap-up sign. I think we're going to take questions at this point. Did I help anybody here? Did I help anybody here dispel the narrative? All right, so I think, are we doing Q&A or no? no? Okay. at this time, uh, if you wrote down a question on your index card, could you bring those up? We have um, people in the aisle to collect those. You wrote down a question while Dr. D was presenting. We're going to do four questions. Four questions. All right. So bring your, are you bringing the car? Are they bringing the car? Yeah. All right. All right. Awesome. I like it. I like it. And then we will be hanging around after. I think I'm going to tell you. Um, okay. First question. Did anyone? 
kind of you do a vision board? Yes. Um, yes, I did a vision board. I would say uh, it's an awesome exercise. Why? Because it's, um, it's honoring the word that says write the vision and, and make it plain. So I think the first place to start is downloading on a vision board or in your journal what it is that you hear God uh, saying and, and what it is that you are feeling and receiving from God. Okay, uh, if you're trying to find your purpose in life, I love the question, by the way. Uh, that's that's an awesome place to start. If you're trying to find your purpose, here is what I will say. So, you have to go to the source of purpose, right? Who's the source of purpose? God. Okay, so that's how you find your purpose. Let's imagine this is, I'm, I'm going to stand in for God. He asked me to stand in for him today. And he has in his hand your purpose. And so I'll ask for the woman in the far back to make your way to me. Far back, yes. I need one volunteer. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. Or somebody, somebody. Oh, here she comes. Okay, walk slow, 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 slow. Stop right there, stop right there. So as you are trying to find your purpose, know that God, uh, God holds your purpose. And so the work that you are to do first is to come closer to God. In fact, there, well, you can walk slowly. There's a positive correlation between you knowing your purpose and your relationship with the Lord. There's a positive correlation. So the closer you come to God, it's called spiritual growth. Say spiritual growth. The closer you come and seek the Lord, the closer and the more clarity you will have with purpose. Does this make sense? So that is the purpose. So it's in your hands. So you have to come closer to God in order to get your purpose. God will reveal it. God will speak to you um, in terms of practical ways. Thank you so much, gorgeous. In terms, does that make sense? Versus pursuing purpose, it's you pursue God. And know that there's a positive correlation. The closer you come, the clearer it will be. In terms of very practical next step. So um, I teach a class on purpose. Actually, I teach a class on identity, gifting, and purpose. Purpose and gifting I teach every year, November, December. It's a virtual course. So whoever asked the question, when you go to the table, ask Butterfly. It's a virtual course, and it's purpose and gifting, which is November and December. And actually, the course before that is identity. Because God has purpose for your authentic self, not for your pretend self. So the pre-work, does that make sense? So, okay. So, so, so that's available, but I'll also tell you, um, you know, because when I was doing this work, I didn't have a course, so I'll tell you what I did. Self-discovery is a journey. Um, so, so this purpose thing. And so what you do is make sure that you are growing spiritually, that you're in some sort of spiritual growth and development. It's a course at church. Um, it's private study. It might be personal study. It might be with a group. So, so that's one part of it in terms of purpose. But here are some of the other subtle things that will happen. Serving 
is will also help you to identify your purpose. Because I think Minister Sorsha or maybe Minister Deborah, I think said something about serving and volunteering. I have always volunteered and served and I continue to volunteer and serve and give my gift. And what God will do in you serving is he is building you up, right? And he's also revealing. Does that make sense? So volunteering is another way, right? There's also a book, it's by Eileen Sugalove. It's called List Yourself. Helps you to know who you are because knowing who you are, it's gonna move you closer to, um, to purpose. Is this helpful? Um, and then there's, there's a ton of other books. I think many years ago there was the, I think the most popular was Rick Warren's book. But just know that for purpose, it's connected to identity and know that this is the one class in life, it's gonna be over a season. It's not gonna be a one day, it's not gonna be a workshop, it's not gonna happen that way. Does that make sense? It's not gonna be a conference. You're not gonna get your purpose in a conference. You're not gonna find your identity. What you wanna leave with is the plan. What do I need to do? So from here, uh, some sort of spiritual growth, a uh, vision board might help, a perp, uh, list yourself, the book I recommend. And then also, you all, I invite you all to join the, uh, I think, the challenge and then the, uh, the course I teach in October. It's... Oh, yes, yes. So you can, uh, you can go, so to join, let's see. So, so to join the Deo challenge, I think if you go to... Um, Oh, Jesus. Gifts from D. Maybe there's something there. Okay. Oh, the Facebook page? It's there? Good. There you go. That's teamwork. Make the dream work. Bam. So if you go over to the Facebook page, is it DC Marshall page? Okay. Thank you. There you go. Hey. Um, and then you can also see Butterfly. She has some some um, cards here. So that's how you can... And by the way, that Dale challenge is free. And then I think you do that and then the, the purpose course will come up after that as an option for you to register for the program. In fact, the program is called the Abundant Life Camp. It's spiritual growth and personal development. And that is where I both teach, coach, and mentor women who say, uh, who, who are really wanting to move and to position themselves for all that God has for them. It's based on John 10, 10, the abundant life. So it's called the abundant life camp. So if it is your desire to position yourself, it's positioning, it's not earning, position yourself for the abundant life God has for you, the program uh, will support you in doing that. It's spiritual growth and personal development. Okay, next question, I kind of combined um, three questions that came in. So it's kind of under the topic of overcoming judgments and depression and feeling like you're just existing and really not living in your purpose. How do you overcome? So you've, okay, judgment, depression, judgment, feeling like you're existing. just existing but not living purposefully, and then uh, the depression that could come along with, with that. Okay. So here's how, I'm gonna take the depression one first. How do you deal with it? So depression, and just so we're clear about depression, um, there's two measures of depression, and it is intensity and duration. So just as an, as an example, 
me and Butterfly wake up on a Monday morning and feeling, you know, it's raining outside. We're feeling kind of blue, right? Like we're not really up for it today. And, um, you know, and so we might stay home, right, separately. And then Tuesday comes, she's up and, you know, she goes to work and, I, you know, I'm, I don't feel like it today, so I'm home. And then Wednesday comes, I'm still home and, you know, she's kind of pushing through. And then Friday comes and I'm still blue. Depression is intensity and duration. The duration of my blueness has now extended beyond two weeks, right? And the intensity, the heaviness of it is unbearable. That's depression and, and what's called presenting. Are there any psychologists in the room? Okay. Oh, there you go. Look. So it's intensity and duration. So that's how you identify it. And how do you deal with depression? If you are mentally presenting for something, go and see a licensed clinical, a licensed trained uh, clinical worker psychologist. They have to be licensed and they should be. Okay? So that's how you deal with depression. Pray en route. Do not see a coach. Do not see a consultant. I've had one or two people come to me. I said, nope, that's not what we do. Here, I'm going to make a recommendation. That's depression. Judgment. How do you deal with judgment? Uh, you know what? No, how, how do you deal with just existing, going through the motions? How do you, how do you deal with existing and going through the motions? So, um, so the first is prayer. Um, in fact, the book Pray, Live, Win is kind of, there's a chapter in there. It's called A Prayer for Better. It's like the second chapter. And so making a definitive decision that you don't want to just exist, but that you really want the plan that God has for you. And so it'll be one part prayer, right? So praying and really getting clarity from God. Um, and then it's going to be getting clear in your physical environment so that you can hear from God. And then on purpose, creating a plan for your life. God was a planner. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, my plan is not to harm you, but to prosper you, give you hope in a future. So God, um, by the way, let me back up. The word of the Lord says, whatever it is that you have learned from me, received from me, um, heard me say or seen me do, do that. So God is our benchmark, our standard. So we should be following God, right? So put that over there. He's a planner, so we are to have a plan. Everybody in this room should have a plan for your life. I'll leave it right there. If you want more, just meet us at the back table. Register for the Deo Challenge. Okay, it's free. Register for the challenge. If you want more, register for Life Camp. We have time for one more question. Yep. And this one deals with, um, and I'm, I'll read it, but how do you deal with impatience stemming from perfectionism while working through challenges like ADD, dyslexia, or some other physical challenge? Say that one more time. I think so I got it. how do you deal with the impatience, impatience. I guess, as yep. you're on this journey, yep. um, stemming from perfectionism while working through challenges health challenges like ADD, dyslexia. Yep. Uh, okay, this is good. Got this is good. I like it. I think, I think I'm going to answer. Um, so how do you deal with the challenges and impatience? So one, impatience, um, I believe you can pray and work on that. Why? Because patience is a fruit, fruit of the spirit. So the evidence of God being with you, do you see how if you just come closer to God, a lot of this with some 
Uh, sometimes it's obvious and clear. Other times it's not obvious and clear. But just so you know, you can pray, God, enable me to be patient because I know this doesn't line up with your word. Did I just say, didn't I just say this on the screen? You have to confirm. So now that you know you are wired for patience and self-control and you know you don't have it, okay, that doesn't line up. So I now know my source of where do I need to go. So pray this prayer, God, enable me. So let, let that be your course. The fruit of the Spirit is Galatians, right? So that's the patience piece. The ADD, if you're presenting with anything, I'm going to tell you two things. Now, I believe, I don't think I've ever said this publicly. I think I've said it to my community. You know, um, I've said, you know, ADHD tendencies, you know, and then I think I stopped saying it. It's like, you know what, D, just don't even call that in, especially if you're not going to be tested and you're not going to medicate for it. But one part of it is, if, if it's, if it's, if it's, uh, if you're struggling with, what you're presenting with, go and get medical treatment is part one. Part two, can I tell y'all something? It is how you live your life in the back office. The back, your home is full. I, I'm going to tell you something. The Abundant Life Camp, the criteria for coming in or the question that I ask is, are you living in chaos, confusion, and clutter and disorder? Part of managing through that is take your meds, pray for patience, clean the back office. The Deo challenge is literally, and the entire life camp was to hold us accountable for doing our own work. It's spiritual growth and personal development. And if you are mentally presenting for something, part of how you live your life in terms of your home and your physical environment, clutter and overwhelm, um, also yes. even in your, your mind and your thought life, if there's a lot of incoming uh, traffic, you silence the incoming traffic. This is noise. The television is on and you got four and five and 10 television and the radio, part of how you're managing your mental abnormalities, so that ADHD, the depression, the anxiety and overwhelm, it's one part structure in your life. Say structure. So the entire life camp is based on that. I do a challenge to uh, create order. This is the Deo challenge. It is decent and in order. Living your life the First Corinthians 1440 way is about that. And that will help you it, it, particularly if you struggle with overwhelm, if you struggle with ADHD, uh, you have got to get structure in your life. In fact, um, the word of the Lord says, after God created everything, he created us and called us to rule and reign. That means we have control over our public domain, but we have not taken it. And so we're out of order in our back office. So the reason a lot of women, particularly even women in ministry who have been called, it's a lot of basic stuff. There's no structure and living out of order. Do you notice how a lot of what I'm saying is 90% us in the way? I'm gonna stop there. Okay, give uh, Dr. D a tremendous a tremendous response. Presentation like that deserves a response. When we uh, leave, we're going to be going to lunch, but remember she's got product out there, and so be sure to stop by the table and to, to seed back into Dr. D's ministry. Uh, we are going to lunch now. If you have a white ticket, you will be in the fellowship hall. If you have a red ticket, you will be upstairs. Okay? 
And then when we return, we're going to have a great giveaway. So be sure you come back. And then we've got more ministry, more presentation. So we will dismiss now for lunch.